You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Monday, May 2nd. Uh, April is in the books. A brand new month is upon us, and we are talking Red Sox baseball today on this Monday with Red Sox reporter Ian Brown. Ian, thank you so much for the time, and uh, Red Sox Nation feeling pretty good. Uh, Entering this Monday, the team is in first place by, I believe, a half game over Baltimore. The Red Sox at uh, 15 and 10. Uh, five games over 500 is their high water mark of the season. And of course, how can you not feel good if you're a Red Sox fan coming off a three game sweep of the Yankees as poorly as the Yankees are playing right now? A three game sweep over your rival is still a three game sweep over your rival. Uh, eight seven was the final last night at uh, Fenway Park, a very impressive series all the way around for the Red Sox. But uh, Ian, I, I don't think I'm alone. Uh, in trying to figure out with uh, other Red Sox fans uh, what is going on with David Price. I mean, what we just don't know what to make of him right now. The record says he's 4-0. The ERA says he should be 0-4. It's uh, above 6.5, I believe, after six earned uh, through seven innings last night on Sunday Night Baseball. Is it a matter of is he just having difficulty at Fenway Park? Is the monster spooking him out there in left field? His, his two good starts have both been on the road. Is it cold weather? Like, how do you assess uh, what is kind of unassessable right now with Price? Yeah, no, it's hard to say, like, the monster is spooking him because, like, this guy uh, pitching for Tampa Bay, pitching for Detroit, pitching for Toronto, uh, had always pitched well at Fenway. I mean, he was 6-1 and one with a 1.95 ERA in his career at Fenway before this year. Um, and he did, uh, you know, he's had the two stinkers at Fenway, or actually three, I think, three bad games at Fenway now. But he also, he pitched a great game there on a Saturday afternoon against Toronto. So he has pitched one good game at Fenway out of the, out of the four. You know, definitely not what you're, uh, what you're looking for at this point. But uh, I think he's going to make the adjustment. I think maybe he's just a little too keyed up. Uh, he's not used to pitching in an atmosphere, uh, save for Toronto for a couple months last year, where the fans are just keyed up every start. Maybe he's... Uh, feeling too much adrenaline and maybe pushing a little too much, trying to overthrow at times. Um, I don't see any big red flags. David Price is a guy who hasn't really pitched very well early in the season in his career. He's a guy who gets better as the year goes on. He gains arm strength. I think he's going to gain a little more velocity. And uh, I think just a classic case of maybe a guy who's pressing a little bit too much, uh, you know, with the new team because, you know, you see him on the road and he's been great. So uh, that greatness still seems to be in him. He's just got to find a way to do it when he's wearing the, uh, the home white uniform. Yeah, I mean, he's still striking out guys at a ridiculous rate. I think his case per nine rate right now, it's still early, but is the highest of his career through his first uh, five or so starts. So that's not a problem. He only struck out three Yankees last night, though, which was uh, a little odd that uh, the strikeout numbers were in a bit higher against a team struggling as badly as the Yankees are. Were you surprised? I believe it was 6-6 going into the seventh, and I think most people thought Price was done. The guy's given up six runs through six innings. He he goes out there for the seventh and worked a clean inning, but was that a matter of John Farrell wanting to to end Price's outing on a positive note rather than have him sue in the dugout after, you know, six largely ineffective innings? Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, probably John Farrell's trying to do whatever he can to win the game, and I think uh, maybe a little surprise in the sense that, look, in the inning before that, the seven, eight, nine batters, uh, it was three hard-hit balls against him. It's not like he uh, breezed through that one, two, three, and so you're thinking, okay, top of the order. He'd already run into a little trouble with that part of the order in the game. You figure maybe they make the switch to, to Taz. So then they bring him out for the two, first two guys, and then A-Rod comes up, and uh, A-Rod just ha- absolutely hammered a homer and a double against him in the uh, previous two at-bats. 
John Farrell comes running out to the mound. Now, John Farrell, um, I only remember one other time in his entire Red Sox career, he's run out to the mound to talk to a pitcher, not taking that guy out. I think it was John Lackey, and the uh, I think it was the game maybe game six of the World Series in 2013. And aside from that, you know, when John Farrell comes out to take a pitcher out, so it's kind of an interesting situation. He just wanted to hear from David the conviction, like, hey, you know, I'm going to get this guy. And he did. You know, he actually struck him out earlier in the bat. The umpire missed the call. Um, and then he, he grounded him out. You know, he got a nice ground ball out of Rodriguez. So that was a good way to finish. Then the Red Sox get some runs there in the uh, in the bottom of the seventh and get him uh, the win. But, yeah, I do think that uh, they did gain something from Price being able to finish that outing strong. Uh, last night and get, getting the key guy in, in A-Rod right there. Yeah, absolutely. That was his last batter and uh, his line for the night, seven innings and six runs. And like we said, the the strangest 4-0 record you'll ever see <laughs> with the ERA. Well above six right now, but hopefully uh, better days to come uh, for David Price at the top of that Red Sox rotation. And, Ian, you mentioned that the Red Sox uh, untied the game in the bottom of the seventh from a most uh, unlikely source, uh, Christian Vasquez. You know, we, we kind of know the book on this guy. He's not going to hit for uh, a ton of average or power. At least he has not displayed that at this stage of his career. He's, you know, potential gold glover behind the plates, uh, as we've seen time and again uh, since he got healthy and got back to Boston. But uh, the home run he hit off Dylan Batances, my goodness. I know Batances is struggling, but that thing left Fenway a no-doubter first pitch from Batances. And, I mean, it just had Fenway part buzzing. Is there a sense that, you know, there is some power in this guy's bat. It's it's just he just hasn't realized it all yet, and maybe this is a sign that you know what, in the coming years, maybe if not this year, this is the the kind of guy that Christian Vasquez could be with the bat in his hand. Yeah, you know he's got a little pop. I remember seeing him hit a ball similar to last night in spring training one time. I think it was about three springs ago where he just absolutely uh, unloaded on a pitch and, and sent it. Uh, you know, soaring over the monster. So, look, you don't need this guy's never going to hit 20 to 25 home runs. But if he's a guy who could give you 10 home runs, it could be a pretty valuable guy uh, sitting at the bottom of their lineup. And he, he brings so much, kind of like with Jackie Bradley Jr., he brings so much with his defense that you don't need him to be a star on offense to pull his weight. You just need him to be kind of um, passable, you know, maybe like league average um, offensively for a catcher, and you're in pretty good shape. But, yeah, I mean, this guy is just learning how to hit. He still has not had very many at-bats at all in the major leagues, so you just don't quite know what you have. But already you know, an elite defender, somebody the pitchers love working with. Uh, so I think uh, it's a good it's a good upside overall you have with, with Christian. And a great uh, tandem behind the plate uh, that the Red Sox have had this year since uh, Swihart got sent back to Pawtucket. You've got the veteran Ryan Hannigan, who does a very capable job uh, behind the plate when called upon. He can mentor the youngster in uh, Christian Vasquez. And, and I believe somebody – made a comparison I forget who it was that they said you know what uh, this might be too lofty of a comparison you know considering who the other guy is but they said Christian Vasquez not just defensively but potentially as an offensive player reminds me of Ivan Rodriguez and again you're talking about one of the best catchers in, in baseball history and again you, you, you cringe when you hear a comparison like that because of who the other guy is but is there potential, at least defensively, that we could see Vasquez on that same sort of trajectory? Yeah, you know, and he's never going to hit like Pudge Rodriguez did. Um, but, you know, the one guy that, you know, I've heard him compared to a lot, uh, and mainly because he has worked with this guy a lot, uh, the, uh, Yadier Molina. Um, Vasquez is very close to the Molina brothers. They're from the same country. They've worked out together um, quite a bit. 
And, uh, you know, Joe Kelly started calling Vasquez a couple years ago, Little Yachty. So I think uh, his mannerisms, his body type, his work ethic, a lot of people, he does remind people of Yachty. So I think that's a much better uh, comparison than Yvonne. And I would certainly be a pretty nice player if you get him uh, playing like Molina. I think he's already there, like I said, defensively. But if he can hit like Molina did in some of those better years, you got a pretty, got a pretty nice uh player on your hands. Yeah, I think Red Sox Nation will take that. It's a, a mini Molina, if you will, with uh, Christian Vasquez. And the frightening thing with him is that, you know, I don't think his arm is still quite 100% from the TJ surgery. Where where does does he kind of rate it? Like 90, 95? Is he almost all the way back? Yeah, I think uh, 90% or so. He's getting better, stronger every week. But look, the guy's still got a tremendous arm. And look, uh, it's great when he's throwing guys out, but he just uh, just the way he frames the pitches and the way he handles the pitching staff and the way he blocks balls back there is just so incredibly valuable that even if he's only throwing the ball at 90% of what he can, that's still a pretty uh, valuable catcher to have. And uh, to me, he's really settled this team down uh, since he since he came up and was activated. He's been a godsend for Rick Porcello. Uh, his last three starts with a Vasquez catching have just been phenomenal. Porcello uh, now with 5-0, and and uh, he is – Number-wise, uh, the ace of this Red Sox staff, no question. We'll see if uh, Porcello can keep the good times rolling. And, uh, you know, and you've covered countless Red Sox games over the years. You've seen David Ortiz have countless big moments and come up with countless big hits. Are you still amazed when you see this guy do the things that he does? Uh, beginning game of the series, Red Sox battle back from a 2 nothing deficit. JBJ ties it at two. Here comes Ortiz. Boom, off Batances over the monster. I mean, are you just still in awe of what this guy could do at the age of 40? Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, you look at 40 to see a drop-off. But, um, you know, certainly David Ortiz did no longer hits like he did in um, 03, 04, 05, 06, uh, even 07, I guess. But, you know, since about 2010 – um, you know, he's established a certain baseline of, you know, approximately a 30-hundred guy with about, a, you know, OPS anywhere between 900 and 1,000. And he's he's kept that, Matt, for the last uh, 10, 11, you know, going on six years now. He's kind of been that same that same hitter, um, kind of a second wave David Ortiz. Like I said, not the MVP candidate, but still a pretty top-of-the-line slugger and a guy who's going to, you know, just create that instant fear factor, especially with the game on the line. Uh, he's still got the bat speed. He's still got the strength. And, uh, you know, a lot. the one thing you see, the one time he looks old now is when you see him run. You know, he just uh, he doesn't have those same, that same uh, giddy-up in his legs that uh, that he used to. But other than that, I mean, he's the same, uh, you know, the same player that he's been the last several years. But, yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of surprised he's retiring at the end of the year. And uh, that brings me to my next point. You're hearing a lot of whispers now that, you know, from fans and from media saying, like, well, wait a minute, this guy's still crushing it. He's on pace for, like you said, another uh, 30, 100 RBI season. So do you think, is there a chance? I'm not, I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to ask if there's a chance he comes back. Is there a chance that Red Sox management makes him a godfather offer and says, look, <laughs> give us one more year? And then yeah. you can ride off into the sunset. Can you see that happening? Yeah, I'd be surprised. But look, the contract is already done. He's got an the team holds an option on him for next year already. So if he wants to come back, and the contract's already there. So I think at, the, at this point, the uh, the matter is kind of in in David's hands. And I think that uh, you know, if I can put myself inside his shoes, I think uh, he's probably thinking, look, what else do I have to prove in this game? I've won three. Uh, world championships, basically put this team on my back for three different World Series teams. Uh, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball for a long time. 
he's made a lot of money. He's made all-star teams. Um, you know, I don't know what more there is for him to do. So maybe he's just say, okay, you know, I've, enough with baseball. Maybe time to move on to that sort of second phase of my life. And look, this is a guy who has a lot of off the field interest too. He's likes entertainment. He's uh, uh, broadcast. You know, I could see him doing some broadcasting. So I mean, he's got other things he could do, and also spend more time with his family at the same time. And uh, I think it's, it takes a lot more than people realize. Just for him to get his body ready to play, all the work he has to do in the off season. That's the thing. The, the performance, the level he is right now, that's just not happening. That's happening because this guy busts his butt uh, in the wintertime. He busts his butt every day coming to the ballpark, doing what he has to do to get ready for a game. I think those are the kind of things that wear him down and that he might not be interested in uh, maintaining anymore. Yeah, and I agree. You know, when you when you watch him on, on television or listen to him on the radio, you think he's superhuman. But I, but I promise you, as a, a guy who's nearly his age, when you wake up in the morning, uh, <laughs> you you feel every bit your age when you don't have a bat in your hand and when the aches and pains come through after a long day at the ballpark. So I think that's going to factor into Ortiz's decision too. But uh, Red Sox Nation would not be upset at uh, one more year of Big Poppy. But that's a long ways off. We'll see how the rest of 2016 transpires. And uh, to wrap up here, give me your MVP of April uh, on the pitching staff and your MVP for uh, the position players. Ooh, great questions. Uh, MVP on the uh, on the on the position player side, boy, that would probably, it would probably have you probably have to go David. I mean, he could go uh, he could go Mookie Betts. Um, Dustin Pedroia's heated up lately, but and I would say David so far just uh, you know just the, the, just the constant presence in the middle of the lineup. Travis Shaw has also had a tremendous start to the season. Uh, from the from the pitching standpoint, you know Porcello Porcello or Stephen Rice, those are your two best pitchers so far. Um, Stephen Wright has really pitched the best out of all of them, to tell you the truth. He's only got a 2-2 two and two record. He's only made uh, four starts so far, but he's given up uh, two earned runs or less. Uh, you know, every time out, he's having one of those classic streaks that we used to, saw, we used to see Tim Wayfield do uh, from time to time. But, yeah, I mean, Porcello is kind of, you know, if you look at it, Porcello's kind of been what they thought Price was going to be so far. Um, so it's been, uh, you know, that's, that's been a big development. Yeah, hard to argue with those choices. Uh, good April for the Red Sox. Uh, it's going to be a tough start to May as they kick off a series in Chicago with that other good baseball team in the Windy City. With all the attention the Cubs are getting, the White Sox are off to a tremendous start and a big test uh, for John Farrell's troops beginning on Tuesday night. We'll break it all down next week, Ian, for sure. Ian Brown, Red Sox reporter, joining us. Uh, Ian, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Boston Red Sox. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.